Hello and welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We are your host, Atlas Alex, and we would like to welcome you today. If this is your first time joining us, then a very special welcome. We are glad to have you here. And uh, today we are going to indulge the fact that this is the 33rd episode of season three of Atlas Information Live. And that's going to be the primary topic of today. But before we get into it, we wanted just to take a moment to ask all of you uh, how you have been making out this uh this present Mercury in retrograde. Perhaps you didn't even know, but surely you noticed. You must have noticed something was off. Something has been a little, um, again, off as it were, these uh, past few days since Wednesday of this past week. And we just wanted to take this opportunity to uh, give you an opportunity to share uh, any experiences related to this retrograde. This retrograde will last uh, until the 15th of September. And we don't know about you, but in our case, uh, it hit us pretty hard. And uh, it's particularly inconvenient considering we're trying to finish a book. And as you know, Mercury being the messenger of the gods, Mercury is rules over communication. And suffice it to say, the progress on the book, which we had hoped to complete by the end of August, has now hit a bit of a, a bit of a speed bump, and that's putting it mildly. In fact, we <laughs> were even tempted to cancel today's live stream because of the effect that uh, we have been feeling this time around. It seems to be particularly uh, acute. Now, we often feel the effects of Mercury in retrograde like everyone does. Uh, but again, because of the 
particular circumstances we find ourselves in. It was um, an unfortunate coincidence, if there is such a thing. So we're really fighting our way through it, and hopefully we will not make a complete mess of today's live stream as a result. But uh, if you have been feeling anything and uh, you wanted an opportunity to share or ask, or perhaps you were wondering why you were feeling off, uh, that could very well be the reason. You maybe weren't aware that Mercury was in retrograde. And we don't, we don't uh, portend to be experts in astrology. That's not our area of expertise by any stretch of the imagination. But we do experience what we experience. And uh, for us, at least, this retrograde has been marked by, among other things, an insane uh, appetite for, for cravings, for, for junk food and, and whatnot. And perhaps somebody at the grocery store or someone at uh, Frito-Lay uh, decided that they would put Doritos and their Lay's potato chips on promotion, on sale, to correspond directly with the beginning of this Mercury in retrograde. We're not making this up. And we don't think we can make it up. And we frankly don't think it's a coincidence, honestly. Uh, surely there are people at, uh, at these companies, especially when they're talking about you know, manufacturers of junk food and so on and so forth. Uh, there must be individuals who are at least aware of these things and um, and knowledgeable as to the effects that they have on people. And so it's uh, it's not surprising to us at all that uh, the Doritos go on sale when Mercury in retrograde begins. And it's likely they're going to be on sale. It's But it's, you know what kind of special it is though, right? It's not like the bag of chips go on sale. No, 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 no. It's you, you, you. Uh, it's two for seven dollars. <laughs> you have to buy two bags <laughs> in order to get the discount. And um, and well, that's basically speaks for itself, doesn't it? So we've been suffering through these sorts of things since Wednesday, and we've been trying to continue working on the book and 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 things have just been piling up so that's been our experience so far so if you do find yourself uh sort of you know battling your egos uh to a greater degree over the next few weeks or you find yourself feeling anxious or depression or you have difficulty uh, communicating, you end up in arguments or misunderstandings. Uh, it may be possible, or it is very likely that uh, this Mercury retrograde is having an impact on you. Uh, some of the astrology related advice is to try to avoid signing any major contracts during this period or at the very least if you are going to enter into some sort of contractual obligation be sure that you triple and quadruple read the fine print and that you absolutely understand and comprehend 
what you are getting yourself into. Because as we said, Mercury is responsible for communication. And when Mercury is in retrograde, our capacity to for, for understanding and comprehension is greatly diminished. It's greatly reduced. We have, and we have a, a higher tendency to misinterpret or to uh, hear what we want to hear or see what we want to see, or the reverse, see precisely what we don't want to hear uh, and hear precisely what we don't want to see. So, uh, we have a guest joining us. Good evening. How are you today? Very well. Very well. Good to see you. And uh, have you uh, have you been experiencing any weird things uh, during the uh, beginning of this retrograde? <laughs> life's <laughs> life's always weird. Never just this retrograde. Um, yeah. Not weird, but repetitions of old situations. Almost like a retest. Almost like a retest. And it, when this situation happened a couple of years ago, I blew up like a volcano. But this time I was level-headed, calm, saw it for what it was, moved smoothly through it. Well, that's that's definitely something else that happens like we during retrograde we we tend to we tend to revisit old habits and old patterns and old old as you said tests and they mm -hmm. they tend to to represent themselves in sometimes new and novel ways sometimes in the same old same old way sometimes in the exact same old way and uh and as you said we are we're faced with uh similar temptations and hopefully we don't give in this time like we did, you know, the last time. So uh, we have been able to marginally, certainly on the cravings front, <laughs> we well, have been I... able to marginally uh, control ourselves uh, uh, in light of uh, what's been going on. I but, just completed uh, a three-day fast. I didn't realize there was Mercury retrograde going on. Oh, really? Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Instinctively, I fasted for the last three days, and I just finished and had a feast before I came online tonight. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that was, that was you know, a good intuition of uh, yours to do, because this retrograde is a perfect time to fast. Mm. Because you have that, it's, uh, well, it's just it's just very conducive to strengthening willpower and mm. also putting yourself into more contemplative meditative states and more uh, making you more resilient. When the body is in that mode, then uh, believe it or not, uh, cravings and whatnot have less of an impact, less mm. of an ability to, to, um, um, to get their claws into us, if that's the right expression. Mm. So, we're not sure it's the right expression because we're uh, we're just not ourselves. Um, okay, so with that out of the way, you don't know if anybody else wanted to make any comments uh, about that, but um, three three three—that's uh, the name of the game today, and uh, we we. Uh, We're going to start 
behind us, if you can, uh, this supposedly is a visualization of the frequency 369, which of course we're going to be getting into because this 369, of course, derives from the number three. And the obvious, the obvious implication here is three threes are nine. And nine minus three is six. So it's in this context that we, uh, we deal with the configuration which many have openly stated, including um, Nikolai Tesla. But if you want to know the secrets of the universe, you have to understand the mysteries of the three, the six, and the nine. And there are uh, an endless number of ways and places that these three numbers can take us. Just for the sake of interest, for instance, we uh, downloaded um, the following visualization. <laughs> now, we don't know who made this, um, but this is just a, a small sampling of where looking at the three, the six, and the nine uh, can take us. And by no means are we going to go through this in, um, in any particular detail. It was just something that we came across. Somebody went through the trouble of making this. And clearly, these three numbers contain a mathematical, logical, uh, and magical quality at their very heart and, their, and the relationship between the three. So we can begin by just scratching the surface by looking at uh, visualization like this one, for example. This is a version of the Enneagram. This is, this is the Enneagram that, you know, we're more familiar with, but this is another one. And in both cases, we have a circle, we have the digits, right? One to nine around the circle. And then we have, of course, highlighted here, right? We have the three, the six, and the nine. And then the other numbers orienting in one, one way or another. 
these have various different significances depending on where you're coming from and and you know what point of view you're taking and there are others who go to great lengths so again here just to highlight there's three there's six and there's nine and obviously that forms a triangle the three so it's we we shouldn't overlook the fact that on this numerical relationship around a circle the coordinate points of the three six and nine create the triangle or the trinity there's three numbers and the, the, and there's three numbers their base is three so there's three points and three sides this is significant and we'll get to that as to why that is in just a moment the other significance of these are not particularly interesting at the moment but there is a third configuration that we can look at now this one is interesting because once again we have this phenomenon of three showing up within the six and the nine and that is of course we can um, try to highlight this if we can right we have we have these three triangles. And each triangle puts at its point, right? Either, so in the three, six, and the nine, we have that triangle. But at each point, we have the, uh, the apex of another triangle. So again, it's this repetition of three and three by three and so on and so forth. So this intricate relationship between the three, the six and the nine. Now, again, if we wanted to, we could keep extrapolating and, and you know, pulling on these threads and we can, it can take us in an infinite number of places and people have done so like that visualization we showed you just a few moments earlier but there's one where is it there it is there's one that we find particularly interesting now here you may see inside this circle and maybe we will make it as big as possible this is known as the flower of life and it's um it's it's not the complete flower of life it's just a component or the center of the flower of life and if you extrapolate this out you get um you know you can get metatron's cube and the tree of a tree of life and so on and so forth but what's interesting about this configuration is that each one of the circles represents a digit here so there's one two right three four five six circles and those six circles uh, produce 
and then the well the seventh circle in the middle that connects them all these interlocking circles we've arrived at this in our own way if you recall months ago when we did the creation from nothing the 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 alm of life and the expansion of the universe out of nothing using a different modality to arrive at someplace similar but what's interesting here is that these six points are six points of a hexagon and here we see that you know the three and the six and the nine are missing so and we might ask ourselves you know why they're missing and that's because like in these other two examples the three and six and nine are connected by a triangle and the other digits have this other orientation these other connections between them but the three and six and nine are are separate in this configuration which again is the origin or the uh the basis for the uh the flower of life we have an interesting phenomenon at the intersection of one and two the intersection of uh one and two we have well we have to decide where we're going to intersect them we're going to intersect them like oh well, okay this has to be here because one plus two equals three and the intersection between two and four is six because two plus four equals six and the intersection of the fourth and fifth circle is nine because four plus five equals nine and the intersection between five and seven what do you suppose that that is any guesses three <laughs> how did you arrive at that five plus seven is 12 making a root of three one plus two five plus seven equals 12 one plus two equals three correct and how about seven and eight six because uh, eight and seven is 15 making six as a root number and finally one plus eight well that's pretty easy <laughs> and two plus seven is nine now we have this interesting phenomenon where if you recall just a moment ago we uh, showed something with uh, three triangles. Here we have three triangles. It's actually, uh, yeah, we have three triangles. If we can um, get our uh, pen, we're going to try to draw in blue here, right? And uh, three, six, 
nine and um, right three six nine and uh, three six nine well I have more than that actually and then we have this triangle right and this triangle but these are all threes and sixes and nines it means that in this configuration in the tree of life and the flower of life right it's all threes and sixes and nines and in fact if you were to connect these points like so you know what we call that in the middle there that's the core of uh metatron's cube In the core of Metatron's cube, the actual Metatron's cube and the flower of life contains all of sacred geometry and all geom geometric forms as we know them. So this is in a this is a uh, condensed, abbreviated version of that because it's it's just we're looking at the very heart of the tree of uh, of the flower of life. But regardless, we're looking at the foundational mathematical logical magical nature of the three and the six and the nine and again we are only with these few scribblings we are only barely scratching the surface we are literally just looking at the foundation the nucleus of what unfolds especially on the spiral uh, path, uh, the, the spiral numerical advance of number theory, then you get the uh, these advanced Enneagrams and you get all of the octaves and everything else like f flowing out of this. And if we had a lifetime to study all of this intellectually and try to draw this all out and map this all out, perhaps we might arrive at a place like Nikola Tesla and being able to apply this uh, to his um, to his knowledge, his knowledge is practical working knowledge of electricity, for example. But these are we are just looking at the very simple foundations, and you can spend hours and hours and hours just doing a Google search, a, an image search on Google for three six nine, and what you will find. It's just endless, endless diagrams showing the uh, peculiar relationship between these three numbers. And that's all very interesting. You know, that's all very interesting. But we have to ask ourselves, is it practical? Is it meaningful? How do we benefit from the relationship between 369? How do we make use of that relationship on the path? Because many times in our experience, we have found individuals who have dedicated their life to the study of esotericism and um, gematria and sacred geometry and you know magical numbers and numerology and and on and on and on it goes 
And yet those individuals are no closer to awakening. Zero. They have filled their head and they have covered their walls and they might have, you know, endless notebooks filled with scribblings, you know, looking like this and the countless iterations and permutations of all of this. But, um, well, that's useless. Okay. But we have to ask ourselves the question, right? Like, and, you know, we took a business course. We have a, uh, a master's in business administration and MBA many moons ago over 20 years ago now. But they loved asking this question. Right? So what? So that's very interesting. But we are on a path of awakening and self-realization, or at least we like to think that we are. We hope that we are. What, what good does any of this do, to, do for us? I mean, honestly, can you look at this and say, oh, now I know how to change my life. No, you don't. You can't. It's like the difference between the way a computer programmer looks at a video game or a website, they might look at the underlying code and they might be fascinated by how it was built. They're fascinated, fascinated, fascinated. And they, they, they tear it all down like, like an engineer tearing apart, a, a, a tearing down an engine to figure out how it works. And they're fascinated by all the inner workings of it. that's not going to make them a better person. And in the case of the computer programmer, it's not going to help them play the game or master the game. It's not even necessarily going to make someone a better engineer or a better computer programmer. It really isn't. So why, why would we even bother making, you know, making this, uh, making this the topic of today? What's the point? Well, serendipity is a beautiful thing. It just so happens that uh, Glorianne released uh, episode two of, uh, of their uh, sacred sexuality series that they're doing, and it premiered at noon today. And we highly recommend you uh, watching this. Uh, when you get when you get a chance, um, obviously here it's uh, it's you can see the title. It's episode two, the secret history of humanity, and in it, 
they go through the secret history of humanity. Right? It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> but it's part of the sacred sexuality series that they are slowly uh, releasing. And it was just serendipitous that it appeared today at noon, two hours before our live stream. We, we actually watched it prior to, and we recommend that after this live stream or when you get a chance for you to watch it as well. And just to that effect, we are going to um, share with you the link, uh, the YouTube link, and there it is on screen as well. But you can find it easy, easily enough. Glorian's, if you just go to Glorian, and uh, it's going to be one of their featured vi videos, if not the featured video. But the link is in the chat. And uh, we highly recommend uh, watching it because it's very informative. But it also relates directly to today's topic, which is the three, the six, and the nine. And what it really means for us, for everyone. Here we have two triangles overlaid atop of each other. Now we're sure you've seen this before. And this is the, obviously, the known as the Star of David, or, you know, it's understood in many ways but here we have three points and then another three points so we have six points in total right the interesting aspect of this configuration it relates twofold. One, you've heard as above, so below. And it is also the union of masculine and feminine. The masculine, uh, the phallus or, or the blade, right? And the feminine, the uterus. The masculine positive and the feminine negative or receptive. And when these two unite, make that bigger, uh, we, we achieve the union of masculine and feminine. And this is the six the six-pointed star is also the hexagon, which is the geometric shape which is the most efficient geometric shape in all of nature. And that's why honeybees use it, the honeycomb. A perfect hexagon placed next to each other well there's no there's no extra space lost 
the hexagon is the perfect repeating shape to maximally utilize space. In that sense, it is the maximal way to achieve division of space. And it is the most efficient. So now, when we, if we meditate on that, just for a moment, we arrive at something akin to the conservation of energy. We arrive at a mechanical law of nature, the maximal utilization of space. This is an axiom of mechanical nature. Nothing going to waste, the conservation of energy. This is, these are axioms of mechanical nature. And again, we see that, we witness that in the beehives of honeybees and wasps and, and, and all sorts of things that create honeycomb. It is the most efficient structure, in other words, in terms of utilization of space. Now, Esoterically, we know that space is the akash, or the body of the Divine Mother. This means that whereas six represents mechanical nature, to draw it uh, on the Alm of Life, we draw a six with a downward, inward spiral. This is a devolutionary spiral or a, uh, a, crystallization, a crystallizing spiral going from the subtle to the more dense. The inverse of that is uh, just to draw a nine. We are now on an ascending spiral. Even though it, even though it looks like it's going down, we know from the Alm of Life that on a spiral, you got to go down before you can go up. And either way, because the, of the relationship of this is a, an expansion and this is a contraction, this is an evolution and this is a devolution. We have nine and we have six. And if that looks familiar, it should. And hopefully we don't have to dig up a, uh, we don't have to dig up an image of the Tao, the yin and yang. At any given point in time, 
as we discussed last week, when we were discussing, well, shielding and shields and everything that we were discussing last week, when you encounter a baffle, when you encounter an obstacle, you have the option of being a six or being a nine. And very often, you have to, you, you need both. You need to experience one, or at least the temptation of one, before you can know the other. This is the great teaching of the Tao. Because within each is the other. And the six and the nine embody that simply by virtue of the fact that a six is an inverted nine. And if you take this six, and hopefully it'll let us do this, if you take this six, we and we just literally turn it around, it's, it becomes a nine. So a six is an inverted nine, is another way to say that. And, uh, we should probably grab this. I don't know if it'll let us do this. Yeah, okay. Let's see if we can. Ah, it's not going to let us do it. Well, anyway. So, what happened to the three? In all of this well the three has been here the whole time of course because it's been right here because this is one triangle and this is a second triangle and the union of these triangles creates the star of david yes the six-pointed star but it also creates the hexagon in the middle which is the third state, right? The union state. So you have one plus two equals three. This, as you may know or should know, and why it was serendipitous that the sacred sexuality video appeared serendipitously today, is that the law of three is the creative law of the universe. Masculine, feminine, and union of masculine and feminine. Right? The phallus, the uterus, and sex. That's why the cross, the X, is related to sex. But there's another relation to three. There's another way in which three relates. So sex is the creative law of the universe. So 
positive, negative, and neutral forces. Masculine, feminine, and union of masculine and feminine. But in the alm of life, we experience the spirals of evolution and devolution, which means there has to be motion, there has to be movement taking place. So with the three factors, or sorry, with the law of three, we also have to put the law of three into motion. And we do that. by showing this in a uh, well it spinning you have to imagine that the uh, tips are spinning along with uh, with everything else so you put this in motion and you have the three factors and those three factors we've discussed before they are sacrifice death and uh and birth clearly death and birth are related to sex and death birth and sacrifice puts the law of 3 the creative law in the uni of the universe into motion and enables the spirals of the alm of life to uh, to become possible. As we execute or experience the law of three, the union well, actually, well, let's back up. There's one more thing we need to... Um, and we've described this before. There is a, uh, a symbol for man and woman that relates to the nature of the masculine and feminine forces. The masculine being expressive, or the holy affirming, and the feminine being receptive, or the holy negating. People always confuse the co-creation of reality with the manifesting of desires. And we'll get to that in more detail in a moment. They say, oh, well, you co-create your reality. And they don't understand that in the field of consciousness, consciousness has and must have a receptive aspect. And in order 
for a moment to be created, in order for an experience to be had, it needs to receive an expression. And in the moment that the receptive, uh, in the field of consciousness, the moment that we receive an expression through consciousness, we experience. The key here is this X. <laughs> the cross. The union of masculine expression and feminine reception. This, this, is the entire basis of Tantra. This is the true meaning of Tantra. Tantra, as the creative act, moment by moment, the actual creation of experience. Experience doesn't exist if it is not created. There is no... So, this has been demonstrated in the so-called double slit experiment of quantum quantum uh, mechanics where if you look at light if you don't look at light it behaves as oh, i can't remember if it behaves as a particle or a wave and then you look at it and it behaves as a particle or you don't look at it, it behaves as a wave it behaves differently depending on whether you're looking at it or not we experience light a certain way but light doesn't exist in that form until we experience it. So we literally co-create the reality of light as we know it by shining our consciousness on it, by receiving its expression, it becomes something different, it becomes something new, it becomes real in the sense of it can be experienced. And in that sense, it also becomes conditioned. It becomes physical light because we experience it in that way at this present level of reality. But no matter how you slice it, what we're talking about here is the law of three, the creative law of the universe. Three forces, masculine, feminine, and union. Expression, reception, experience. These truths are the type of truths which one cannot arrive at, you know, simply by studying these, you know, the mathematical uh, phenomena. Of and all the different ways that three, the six, and the, the the three, the six, and the nine interact with each other in geometry and in all these myriad ways. This is a far more fundamental and far more useful application 
of the understanding of the three, the six, and the nine. Now, why is that so? How is that so? We said that we would get to it. And the reason it is so is that with every experience, this creative experience is multiplicative. It leads to something else. The, the law of cause and effect, the three factors, the, the, the motion and the spiral nature of that motion in the alm of life is every revolution of the alm of life either is evolutionary or it's devolutionary. That means it's either a nine or a six. So every experience, every manifestation of Tantra, which is just expression and reception, in its truest fundamental nature, every experience creates, but how does it create? In which way does it create? Does it create as a six or as a nine? Does it create in an upright way? or an inverted way. And if we look at going through life as a series of baffles, and we can look at a baffle, that's a terrible baffle, um, we come up against some obstacle and we look at the flow of our life and we run into that. That obstacle, that test, that trial, that ordeal may want to make us swirl this way or may make us swirl this way. Obviously one is making us go down and one is making us go up and allowing us to overcome that obstacle. And at any given point in time, any act of creation, any moment of Tantra, where an expression and a reception meet, there is a choice of how 
that expression, that baffle, if you want to treat it as such, is going to be how it's going to be met and what are we going to do with it. Are we going to meet that challenge as an upright nine or as an inverted six? Well, we should probably... Uh... It should be noted here that what makes a nine into a six, well, we can say, well, it's inverted. Mathematically, what turns a nine into a six? You subtract three. The creative force. And if you want to take it one step further, the experience, if you subtract the experience or the experience, experiential knowledge, a nine falls and becomes a three. Something is lost. This is what makes the upright spiral of evolution become the downward spiral of devolution. An upright nine becomes an, uh, a six. And something is lost in the process. The creative power and the experience. The capacity to create knowledge from experience is lost. In the human machine, well, where, where are we at? Okay. In the human machine, we have three brains. We have our mind, and we have our heart and we have our body, but specifically we have our spinal column and we have our uh, five centers, our motor, instinctive. I'm just going to write instinct terribly there and uh, motor, instinctive and sexual centers. So we have our motor, we have our instinctive and we have our sexual centers. And then we have our mind and we have our heart. These are the three brains and five centers. The motor instinctive sexual center is of course along the spinal column down to the coccyx and up to the base of the skull, which is, um, which people understand is our reptilian brain. Um, 
but it's that's why for example uh we put harnesses on animals and leashes on dogs because that's just happens to be where if you want to lead an animal around you put a rope around that center that's the motor center you can gain control or more control over an animal by controlling the motor center and that's why animals and even mothers in the wild uh all sorts of uh animals but particularly mammals mammals will uh mothers will pick up their young by the scruff of the neck they'll they'll delicately uh pick up their their babies by the scruff of the neck and carry them around because they know that by doing that number one they're not going to hurt their their baby but also the baby's not going to squirm and try to get away because once you once you grab the back of the neck here the scruff of the neck it's uh you practically immobilize the animal uh the animal knows that you're in control and it doesn't fight right um dogs play this way and it's a dominance behavior for who wins the fight and many different animals use that but it's also a way uh predators will use it when they're when they're hunting to essentially paralyze uh their their uh prey they will go for that part and bite very hard there at the base of the neck and the spine and we all know uh tragically we all know that um if you break your neck you become paralyzed it's very likely that you can you will become paralyzed if you have a a, a break somewhere in the vertebrae of the neck again because we're dealing with the motor center and that's that is the center that's responsible for all our uh, our ability to to move and then of course we have the instinctual center the instinctive center that's why gut feeling it can't always chalk, be chalked up as uh intuition right instinct is a very real phenomenon and that's one of our brains we can feel punched in the gut and it's not necessarily because we're heartbroken or because we're having intuition it's we could be just having an instinctual response to some threat and then of course the sexual center doesn't need any explanation the heart and the mind hopefully doesn't need any explanation the mind of course is the uh, the intellectual center and the heart is the emotional center three brains three brains as we are going through life and experiencing in life on the tree of life the sexual force is in yasad so if we draw very quickly a tree of life if we're doing this right it should be yeah, okay The ninth sphere is Yasad. This is the third dimension down here. This is the sexual force. 
our sexual energy, the ninth sphere. It's the fourth dimension, vital body. Nine, we said, is evolutionary. It's an upright nine. So as we go through life, we have energy. We have that creative energy. That creative energy is there to enable us to have Tantra, to, to create experience. That experience is created using the vital energy, the energy of the fourth dimension, which is called the foundation of the third dimension. So we have that energy available to us. And it's, it is the foundation of reality. It is the foundation of our physical bodies. But as we go through life and we face our tests, trials, and ordeals, moment to moment, how are we creating those moments? What type of tantra do we live, do we experience? Are we an upright nine in our mind and our heart and in our body? Or do we succumb to the forces that are trying to steal our sexual energy they're going they're going to siphon off our sexual energy and do we fall and become sixes inverted nines in each of our three brains so instead of being a 999 we become a 666 which hopefully we shouldn't have to explain to anybody is the mark of the beast. This is the true meaning that's in the book of Revelations. And the true importance for anyone on the path to know the meaning of three, the six, and the nine. And notice... We've been talking about sexual energy. We've been talking about Tantra, but we haven't actually talked about sex in any of this. Why sacred sexuality is important? Well, that's a whole different level of teaching about the three, the six, and the nine. It's related to what we just shared. It is the ultimate expression of the application of the sexual force, of the creative force. And to appreciate and understand this relationship between the nine, the six, and the three, fully, we have in what's esoterically known as
the Kunda buffer organ. We have threes being subtracted from the mind, from the heart, and from the body. And these three th threes, of course, are nine, which is Yasod on the foundation, flowing down and out. The creative force, the vital force, the energy with which we so-called co-create our reality, but we actually create our reality through Tantra, through the reception of expressions of consciousness and the consciousness in the field of consciousness. You know that expression down and out, to be down and out. If we can, this is the tale of Satan, the symbolic tale of Satan. It was one, the uh, Lemurians had a tale, a physical tale. It wasn't a physical tale, it was a metaphysical tale. And you can still feel your metaphysical tale in the vital body if you meditate on it. And it was designed to, well, we'll let you watch the video that Glorianne released today that we shared with you earlier. The point of understanding this relationship is that in each and every moment, the three and the six and the nine are playing themselves out in us. And are we using our creative energy in our mind, in our heart, and in our body to become upright nines and have the sexual force Blowing up. No, she's up the tree of life, up the spinal column, up and Adam, up and Adam, up and Adam. <laughs> to be an upright nine. Adam meaning Adam Nus, Adam mean the meaning the primordial Adam, a true human being, a Buddha, and up an Adam. This is relates to what Shakespeare called uh, the name of action, the name of action meaning our innermost.
Today is the 33rd episode of the third season, so 333. All of this, all of this is encoded in that. Um, We just wanted to have an opportunity to, to review this because I know we've covered this before, but it seemed like the time to do it. And again, serendipitously, Glorian released the sec uh, episode two of its sacred sexuality series, which looks like it's going to be an excellent series. And naturally, because we're talking about Tantra here, this relates to every aspect of our life, but particularly and especially when it comes to sacred sexuality, how we utilize the sexual force. Because to be an upright nine Nine is one away from a perfect ten. And a perfect ten is, as we've drawn before, right? The origin and the everything. But the separation between the two means we, we do this. It's the infinite. The infinity, infinite, or the holy eight. Two upright nines who come together are one holy eight. Of course, any multiple of nine reduces to nine. So you could say one plus nine equals nine, sure. But we cannot ignore that relationship. Incidentally, three sixes are also 18. So you could say, well, by this definition, someone who's a 666, someone who's a demon, but they're also a one one infinity. They're also the, the related to the Holy Eight. Well, there is something called the Wheel of Samsara, the Wheel of Suffering, which is an infinite loop, which means you can be stuck on the wheel of suffering, you can be stuck as a demon for infinity. The six and the nine are the Tao. And because the six and the nine are the Tao, they represent the two aspects. of the absolute and the absolute is infinite the universe is infinite god is infinite 
And so it's it's only logical or it only makes sense. And ironically, three nines are 21, uh, no, three nines are yeah, 27, which reduces to nine, of course. That doesn't really tell us much. So another way to look at this is that the goal of the Tao is to use the inverted six and transmute it, transform it make it into an upright nine. Because when we do that, we are standing in front of the door of infinity, the Holy Eight. But we cannot accomplish this, we cannot achieve this unless we confront unless we confront those aspects of us which constitute that inverted six those aspects of us which are fallen Yet another way, because to, to say, okay, invert, transform, okay. How do you transform a six into a nine? You add three. You add three to six. And you, you add the three. Masculine, feminine, and union of masculine and feminine. The three forces, sex. But you add it. You don't subtract it. You don't take it away. You don't lose it. You don't let the three flow down and out. You have the three flow, the three flows up in Adam, not creating the tale of Satan, but the risen Kundalini, the, the three going up the spinal column. And up the spinal column of our physical vehicle, our human machine. But each time we're adding three to one of these sixes and turning it into an upright nine.
Okay. Let's uh, take a moment. Take a pause. Let's. Uh, we had a couple little comments. Uh, Hermes Tree said, "I've gotten a sore throat and a slight cold." Sorry to hear that, but that's maybe maybe Mercury in retrograde is uh, getting at you. And, and Jennifer uh, mentioned and gave us the answer three when we asked it, and she mentioned numerology. And she said also, what is the mark on the forehead in Revelations uh, 13, uh, 16 to 18? The mark of the beast? That's 666. You wear 666 on your forehead because your psyche, your emotions, your mind, and your actions are all sixes. That's the mark of the beast. That's the mark of the beast. 666. That's precisely, and we were walking through this whole uh, spaghetti code here, this, this whole mess, uh, for the very, to, uh, to make that very point. Right? The mark of the beast. And we have that expression, to wear your heart on your sleeve. Well, St. John of Patmos, he says, no, they, they're going to wear the, the mark of the beast on their forehead. Because that's on your brow. You have that expressions like the sweat of your brow. And so on, and and your your you know if your brow is furled, you're angry, you're stressed, you're upset, right? You're wearing the mark of the the mark of the beast because you're you're wasting your energy. Your energy is flowing out through your centers, and it's turning you into a you know. Oh, excuse me. The significance of this relationship and how it relates to the Tao, because remember also the Tao is three, right? It's positive, negative, and union. And there's always, as it's shown in the Tao, in the yin and yang, there's always a bit of one in the other. And what the Taoists refer to is this whole notion that, you know, good and bad, good and evil don't really exist. They only are concepts and they're only, they're really subjective because something which appears bad in the moment might turn out to be something very good later on. And there are, you know, different examples where, uh, we can give, for example, you're trying to make it to work on time and a train crosses the path in front of you, the, at the railway crossing, and there's this five mile long train and it takes half an hour to get across the railway crossing. 
and you end up half an hour late for work. Well, that's bad, right? Or it seems like it's bad. Meanwhile, on your way on the highway, you pass by this fatal car crash and this 18 car pileup, which you missed, you avoided because the train held you up. So what appeared in the moment was very bad, making you late for work. It was actually a blessing. It was a godsend. Saved you from getting caught in the 18-car pileup and not only being late for work, but possibly even being permanently or fatally injured. So the Tao is all about comprehending and understanding that this duality exists in everything. We'll expand on that a little bit more in a moment because Jennifer follows up by asking, so the 144,000 are sealed on their foreheads is the inverse of the six. It's the nine, 144,000 equals nine. That's correct. So coming back to our little visualization here, And maybe we'll, maybe we'll, oh, what happened? Grabbed the nine and it went, <laughs> oh, here it goes, went over there. You know what? Let's, uh, let's, let's just do one that's a little cleaned up. Okay. So we have an individual. Okay. Now, if they are a nine in their mental, emotional, and motor instinctive sexual centers, they're using the energy, the sexual force, and they're directing it up and at them, up and in. And really, we're raising it up and illuminating all of our chakras. And, uh, you know, we can draw all of our spinning chakras are all being put into activity, but especially the crown chakra. These are the individuals who are part of this 144,000 who wear nine on their forehead, sealed. Because what else is in the forehead if not what we call, right, the third eye? Oh, look at that. Another three. So the nine is not just a nine. The nine is an expanding uh, upward evolutionary arc of the alm of life. Expanding consciousness, expanding awareness. The creation of a true human being. Who is awake. 
who is awake and has an upright nine in each of their three brains. Their third eye is open because the sexual force, the creative force, is energizing and vitalizing all of their chakras and opening their third eye. And the divine negative, the divine feminine, who is the fire, right? The fire, the fire of divine feminine raised up to meet the fire of the divine masculine. Remember in the Pentecost, remember the disciples of Jesus have the tongues of fire atop their head. You know how every uh, saint and every Buddha and, and every picture of Jesus, they're, they're all shown with halos about their head. Those are all symbols of the of the arisen Kundalini. The damned, the ones who carry the mark on the beast, the mark of the beast, they are six 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 in each of their three brains, and they wear it on their forehead because the six 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 closes off the third eye. They're mechanical. Okay. Let's uh, make that a little smaller. Okay. Um, Stuart Wilson says, Gratitude for all moment transcends the Tao of good and bad, isn't it? In truth, the goal is to transcend the Tao. And by transcending the Tao, what we realize is that there is no baffle. There is no baffle. There is no adversary outside of us. That our capacity to become this, right? Our, our, our capacity to become where did it go? Our capacity to become a true human being exists and it's trapped in our 666. It's trapped in our mechanicity. And the temptations that we experience to become a six or remain a six, not become a six, remain a six. The temptations to keep spilling our 333 okay, which is nine, to keep spilling our sexual force and be a demon. That's the tail of Satan, right? All demons have these tails. They all have this little arrow on the end of those tails. And they're always pointing down. The temptation to do this is precisely showing us the way 
to invert the six and become a nine. And this is the comprehension of the Tao and what's being, what it means to be beyond the Tao is that no one can master themselves without an adversary. But we're mastering ourselves, which means the adversary is ourself. The three and the six and the nine are that's they're they're intimately related in the same way that we are all a trinity or a triunity. We not only have, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, divine masculine, divine feminine, and union of divine masculine and feminine. That is a trinity, the highest trinity. But we ourselves are a mortal vessel who has an innermost being. And it is the union of those two which forms the lower trinity. We become a triune human being. And we have used the analogy in the past hopefully to good effect. But we've used the analogy in the past of a, uh, of a bicycle. That's a terrible bicycle, but you get the idea. Because we have a mortal self where the rubber meets the road. This is in the world of action. But we have an innermost being, the self, with a big S, who is supposed to be steering the bike. In other words, direction. And our self is connected via a chain, which is connection. And the being pedals the bike, and that crank provides, right, the motivation. So here we have a trinity. Three in one. Innermost being, mortal vessel, and union of being and vessel. And you have every aspect of the human condition of a true human being, of a triune human being contained in that allegory, in that metaphor of the bicycle. You have direction. Oh, and, and incidentally, you also have what they call alignment. Because the rear wheel is not only connected to the bicycle by the links in the chain, the ties that bind, right? 
like wedding like wedding bands but the rear wheel follows the front wheel the rear wheel is in alignment with the front wheel the front wheel which provides direction And the motivation comes from the pedals being pedaled. That's willpower. That's our inner strength. Because it's through our connection to our higher self that we gain access to our true strength. It's through the chain, through the link that we have, the connection that we have. Let's go to. Um, Raphael says, many people associate the number 666 with the economic system of the beast due to the belief that those without the mark of the beast will be unable to engage in buying or selling. This number is often linked to a potential global currency system or world government. However, it can also be interpreted as being connected to human consciousness and sexual energy. Look at the economic system that we have today, is it not based on consumption? What do you suppose is being consumed? Honestly, look at what's being consumed. All that time and effort and energy that is spent, that people spend on jobs they hate to buy crap they don't need or then to come home and waste an exorbitant more amount of time throwing good money after bad good currency after bad good energy after bad doing what entertaining themselves or stuffing themselves with food and you know garbage like junk food and i'm guilty of that But only now and then when I really give into those cravings. Because that's that's a that stuff is a drug. It's all a drug. What do you suppose every drug, everything that's hypnotic and addictive is out for? It's out for your attention, it's out for your 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 energy. Money is just a a, a physical expression, a physical symbol of energy but everything's the flow about the flow and the transfer of energy so when you say that many people associate the number 666 with the economic system they're right and only the people with the mark of the beast can partake in the economic system because if you don't waste your energy if you're not a consumer you're a saver you're a transmuter. You transmute energy. And you, you, you have no lack. You have no want. You have no need. You're not a very good consumer, are you? Just like uh, the COVIDiacy was a referendum on fear. What is fear? Well, fear is definitely embodied in that 666. And look at all the people who were denied the ability 
to go on flights or go into public places or, or, or conduct business in person or whatever, right? There were all these restrictions put on the people who didn't get the jabby jab. Why? Because they weren't afraid, because they didn't have any fear. They weren't walking around with a mask on their face, wearing their fear on their forehead, a 666 on their forehead. But they couldn't take any flights. It's just a precursor to what's coming, what's potentially coming, what else they could do. Uh, Jennifer Christie answered our question earlier about what's on, what else is on the forehead. She said the third eye. Uh, Benjamin Raphael says the crown chakra has 144,000 petals. Does it? It might. We'll have to double check that. But it wouldn't surprise us if it if it were. Um, we thought it was just in the thousands. We we didn't we never associated it with 144,000. But you could be right, Benjamin. We're not we're not we're not challenging you. We're not disputing you. With our memory, you're probably right. Uh, Stuart Wilson says 144,000 can also be written as 144k, k being the eleventh letter. So. 144 can also be interpreted as 911 or K9. Uh, what I don't see clearly is why I saw this clearly some time ago. Well, there's two things that we can that come to mind when you mention that. Well, there's three things now. If <laughs> third one came to mind, uh, one is 9/11. Okay, that was a date that was not chosen by accident. Um, the two towers were brought to the ground, and one tower was erected in their place. Hopefully we don't have to put too fine a point on it, but if someone is an upright nine, and they're standing between two towers, these are the, the pillars of Jacqueline and Boaz, and Yassad um, is their foundation. the ninth sphere. It's the cubic stone. It's the philosophical stone. Yes, it's the foundation of the third dimension, but it's also the foundation of the tree of life. That's 9-11. Because 11 are the pillars of the tree of life, Jacquin and Boaz. So the 144,000 is that. Now, of course, what did they do? They they brought down these towers. They brought down the pillars of Jacqueline and Boaz um, uh, symbolically. 
and in the place in their place they erected one so-called freedom tower freedom to what freedom to be an I, freedom to be a six. The individual single tower of the ego. Canine is what we call a dog. Dog is God backwards. And if there is any doubt that the powers that be, the Black Lodge, is trying to turn the 144,000, the upright nines, who would be gods, right? Because that's what nine does. You'll be damn straight that they're trying to make them into dogs, make them into animals. And if there's any doubt that the Black Lodge is trying to do that, then you just need to read our book on the Great Awakening of Humanity and all the traps set for all those who would be awake, who would awaken. And all the different ways, all the different false awakenings that have been planted for this humanity, these traps for this humanity to fall into. Again, to fall into to the, these, these souls, these beings, these monads that came here to be upright nines. But there's all these traps that turn them into sixes. These would-be gods who instead are turned into animals, are turned into dogs. They turn into canines. Benjamin Ochoa says, I just remembered a question I wanted to ask you about mechanicity. And he continues. The question is, what's mechanical is trapped, then what part of us is free and has movement? So, uh, if what's mechanical is trapped, then what part of us is free and has movement, our consciousness, our being, our, our, our innermost Atman. And he also asks, or an aspect of ourself for that matter. Well, the consciousness can travel. Your being can travel. You can travel in the astral plane. If you practice uh, dream yoga, if you practice uh, jinn state, you can extract your higher self from the prison of the mechanical self and you can and you can you can travel we all travel when we sleep we dream 
we leave our bodies and we when we dream it's just a question of when we dream we're in the lunar astral plane we're in mechanical nature we're in the astral plane that's ruled by our egos by mechanical nature but if we practice dream yoga and we meditate and we work very hard to become an upright nine and we conserve our sexual energy then we can begin to lucid dream right we can project in the astral plane and we can go to the solar astral plane we also have to practice we also transmute the sexual force we have to practice sexual alchemy if we have that opportunity and we have to eliminate our egos and all of this process is about extracting ourselves from the prison of our mechanical nature and we discussed in great detail last week what the nature of that prison is it's a nature of our own creation it's a nature of our own design because awakened beings buddhas can leave their body at will they're not trapped in their body they choose to be here they've taken on that body in the same way that you are not trapped in your clothes at the end of the day you can take off your clothing right you can take a shower and go to bed and you're not trapped in the clothes that you're in it's it's like that for an for an enlightened being for an awakened buddha this physical body is just it's just a a, a suit and we should be able to leave this body at will and that's why practicing dream yoga and and these practices uh have their advantages and have their benefits we are only trapped here because we're identified we're hypnotized and we're mesmerized by this three-dimensional reality and we're fascinated and hypnotized by our own mind our rationale our rational mind our, our emotions and our sensations these three brains they hypnotize us they make us trapped in our mechanicity we hope that answers your question benjamin asks by preserving our sexual energy we can elevate our consciousness and avoid indulging in sinful behavior this aligns with a passage from scripture which states those who are born of god do not sin for his seed remains in them they cannot sin because they have been born of god so this is probably uh related well it's not probably right it is related we just don't know if it's uh, scripturally textually in the same vicinity of um those who um unless the man be born again of the waters and the spirit but that's the seed that is is being discussed here they have been born of god to be born of god is to be born of the waters and the spirit well what is god inside of us it's the creative energy it's the creative force it's it's the divine mother but in order for the divine mother to give birth to us to to the innermost intimate christ in order for the seed to die and be reborn a sapling the feminine force must be risen to the crown chakra and must be fecundated by the holy spirit with immaculate conception this is that symbol of the angel uh gabriel coming and announcing to mary that she was made uh, pregnant by the power of the holy spirit mary the mother of christ is a symbol she is the divine feminine 
She's the nine. She's the Kundalini. And so it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that she is fecundated and gives rise, gives birth to the Christ child with us, our innermost intimate Christ. That Christ is the divine androgen. The divine androgen can only be born of the union of divine masculine and divine feminine. That, in the Christian tradition, is Mary, the mother of God, and the Holy Spirit, her husband. They unite. The Holy Spirit is who impregnates Mary, the mother of God. That's how it is that she gives rise to Jesus. She gives birth to Jesus. And it's that seed within us is the essence, our innermost. So our innermost being can't be born of the waters and the spirit unless we cooperate, unless we participate, unless we sacrifice that sexual, our sexual urges, our lust, and our desire for the sexual energy to flow down and out. We must sacrifice that. We must die as that lustful animal so that we can be reborn of the waters and the spirit. Jennifer has shared a link here. Now, unfortunately, because of the way StreamYards works, there is no easy way for us to... Um, to copy that or paste it in any way. So if your intention, Jennifer, was for us to go visit that page, we're going to have to type that in manually. Uh, open eyes1.weeb. Oh, for Pete's sake. Okay, let's try this again. Open no. Well, that keyboard decided to die on us. Let's try another keyboard. <laughs> oh, fun. Okay. No, that's not working either. So it's not the keyboard. It must be the software. How wonderful. Okay, let's. Some bizarre reason we can't type into into our browser. I wonder if it's because we have the uh, Oh, it's some stupid
bear with us while we suffer the uh, slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. No, we can't. Sorry, you know what, Jennifer? We're not going to be able to visit that link. Some uh, our the computer is just not behaving right now. We don't know what it is. We can't type. Uh, let's hopefully we can still do the mouse thing. Okay. Let's. Um, Stuart says, in the UK there is a uh, there is a numbers game like like lotto. It's called bingo. Okay. When the callers pulls numbers eleven, it's also announced as legs eleven. So I saw the towers falling like a symbolic taking off the legs to generate mass fear. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Benjamin says, oh, okay, thanks. I forgot where uh, that derived from. Uh, you're welcome. Jennifer says, all the chakras equal 144,000. Okay. And she says, all of the seven chakras together, if added up, equals 144,000 petals. Okay. And Benjamin says that he stands corrected. Okay. That, that makes a little bit more sense because... Our understanding was that the crown chakra was 10,000 petals, but we might be wrong on that number, but that, that was our understanding that that was 10. And then the other chakras are, are their various different numbers. But if they add up to 144,000, that's another indication there that what we were describing uh, earlier about the... Um, uh, the kundalini rising up the spinal column, awakening all the chakras. And 144,000 adds up to nine. So the upright nine in three brains, but the rising kundalini awakens all of the chakras. And if you add up all the petals, it's 144,000. The, the symbols are related. All right. At the moment, uh, unless there's some other questions or comments or somebody wants to come on and make any additions or share something we don't have much more to add at this moment to the conversation uh, we're sorry about the malfunction with the computer i don't know what's going on i don't know why it's not uh behaving i wonder if uh Some bizarre. Anyway, we're not going to obsess over it. We'll worry about it once the live stream is done. If anyone has any other comments or questions, uh, feel free to uh, ask them or bring them up. Or if anybody has any other significance of the three and the six and the nine that uh, you'd like to share, we by all means we do not we don't we don't want to discourage anyone from going and reading uh, about uh, you know, Tesla or Walter Russell or any of the other numerology related to 369. It's all fascinating stuff. And you never know what, if you're a numbers-oriented individual, you never know what exposure to those numerical relationships, what they might kindle in you, what they might spark in you from within like they clearly 
sparked in Nikolai Tesla. And they clearly speak to many people on many levels. What we wanted to do was to share from our point of view, from our perspective, what is the most important aspects of the three and the six and the nine when it comes to this time in human history, when it comes to as you know, you guys were pointing out with 144,000. And how to be among the 144,000. And that's, as Benjamin was quoting there from the Bible, to preserve the seed, to preserve the seed and to work with the with Tantra in the upright way, as an upright nine, not as an inverted six, because there's many, many schools of Tantra that teach you to practice Tantra to waste the sexual force, to to utilize it, to use it, but for nefarious ends, for it ultimately flows down and out. And that just creates a 666. This creates an awakened demon. Because the creative energy must create something. If it doesn't create an upright nine, if it doesn't create a living God, it's going to create a living demon. Because the, the creative force can only create, well, it can also destroy. In order to create, something must be destroyed. So to create a living God, you sacrifice the animal self. But to create a demon, you sacrifice your inner God, your innermost seed. You spill it. You sacrifice it. That's what gets sacrificed on the altar of of pleasure, of sensation, of desire. Uh, Stuart Wilson says, time to go watch Glory End. Thanks, everybody here. You know what? We encourage you to do so. because. What we discuss today will directly be reflected and have direct significance to the series that Glorian is doing on sacred sexuality. Obviously, obviously it will. But the the comprehension of what happened to humanity in the Lemurian epoch becomes that much richer when you comprehend them in in the uh in the context of our uh, spaghetti scribblings uh it will become clear why that is when you watch that uh, show again the link is uh up up in the chat but we can uh put it on the screen again here so there's the link to the um glorian's youtube video that again just released today at noon we've already watched it so we we do recommend you watch it uh, Benjamin says, awesome lecture as always. I'll be going back and watching this lecture again. So much to learn. Uh, you're welcome, Benjamin. It's our pleasure. It's our honor. It's our privilege. Where did the Glorian uh, link go? It went away. There it is. Uh, put it back. Uh, we apologize again, Jennifer, that we couldn't follow up on that link. Uh, I don't know what's going on with our keyboards. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out for next week for sure. 
But again, this is you know what this is uh, this is the kind of sh uh, stuff that uh, happens in Mercury Mercury re retrograde with us all the time. We have really strange, uh, uh, peculiar uh, uh, anomalies happening on computers and usually with input devices. Again, because Mercury affects communication. So there you have it. Uh, Jennifer says, thanks, everyone. Uh, great lecture this week. Much appreciated. You're very welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for uh, sharing and uh, interacting. We, it's always a pleasure to have people participating in the, uh, in the chat. We had uh, Stuart on here for um, a few moments, but now um, I think he's gone to uh, go view the Glorian video, which we encourage all of you to do, again, uh, truly. Uh, Benjamin says, thank you for sharing the fascinating symbolism of 369. According to ancient sculptures, in order to become a god or saint, one must conquer their animal instincts or the dragon within. Learned a great deal today. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome, Benjamin. And on that note of the 369, we saw, we found uh, so many uh, great visuals that, that, you know, we had wanted to share in one capacity or another. And um, one of them was the Fibonacci sequence. And that also represents a three and six and a nine, the, the golden ratio. Um, no, there's, there's, there's a great, there's a great many, um, much to learn, much to, uh, to explore and discover. And it really is, as Nikolai Tesla said, that uh, if you really are into metaphysical science, and numerology and you really want to unlock so-called secrets of the universe you can keep digging into three and six and nine and see where it takes you just remember or shall we say never forget what these numbers really mean and their significance so always remember not to fill our heads with a bunch of intellectualism about about these topics but but really live it but really live it in our in our three brains and our hearts and our minds and in our bodies in remembrance of our true selves because that's ultimately where we want to be right we want to be an upright nine standing before those two towers the the 11 and then we want to walk through because if those two towers are two nine plus two is 11 we become we become the tree of life And Lord knows we're all about we're all about the two towers, the the uh, the two pillars of the tree of life. Anything else? Any other comments or questions? If not, we want to thank you all again for joining us. We hope that you found today valuable and uh, informative. Go and watch the Glorian video if you have time. Uh, if not today, then tomorrow. And we look forward to seeing you all again next week. And we hope, we hope that we can get over our, you know, hangups and holdups with the, with regards to um, uh, Mercury and retrograde. And we uh, we pray that we can make the progress that we were hoping to make this week on the book, and that we will have good news on that front uh, for you next week. Well, no promises. We'll see. We'll do our best. We'll do our best. So. From the bottom of our heart to all of you, um, have a wonderful week.
And uh, as always, uh, inverential peace. Take care, everyone.